Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Well, I hope you are ready for another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast because this is a good one. On today's episode, I sit down and talk to Jaden Bales of Backcountry Fuel, and we really get into the topic of backcountry nutrition, whether you're ready to go for a hunt and you're planning on being out there for an extended period of time, or you're just looking to get off the grid, do some back uh, backpacking, uh, maybe do some summits or some off-the-road excursions. So we really do just dive right into the meat and potatoes, if you will, about how to plan for that, what to look for, what you'll need, understanding what your body needs, um, regardless of you know your experience with it. We want to make sure that you're getting out there and feeling dialed in for anything. So we also talk about the most common mistakes that beginners make when they are starting to prepare their food and plan ahead. Um, We also talk about the common uh, topic, calories per ounce versus total daily weight. So we talk about kind of measuring that out, making sure you're not packing too much, but that you're always getting enough food. And we also talk about the quality of food, how to stay keto in the backcountry and all kinds of stuff. I also want to let you know that Backcountry Fuel Box has offered 10% off to our listeners. And if you don't know what they are, you should definitely check out backcountryfuelbox.com. They offer a really unique and very cool service where they send you a monthly shipment of essentially a trial or different um, companies of dehydrated meals. They'll send you bars, jerkies, recovery items, all kinds of stuff to sample to figure out what you want and maybe what you don't want. It's a really good deal, super affordable, and they have offered 10% off to get all the goods. So go over to backcountryfuelbox.com. You can use the code HERINSPIRED10 to save 10% off at discount. That is HERINSPIRED10 at backcountryfuelbox.com. Well, here we go, kicking off another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast, and I have a new guest on the show and a male guest for today, which is exciting for us. Uh, I'm talking with Jaden Bales. Um, He is with Backcountry uh, Fuel. They do the Backcountry Fuel boxes, and he also, um, you work with Cody Rich on the Rich Outdoors podcast, is that correct? Yep, that's exactly right. Cool. Well, welcome to the show, Jaden. I'm excited to have you on and talk about today's topic, doing a backcountry meal prep and understanding the needs that people have for going on adventures, hiking, mountaineering, backcountry hunting, that kind of thing. So take a minute and introduce yourself and a little bit of your background and what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, So I grew up on a farm in Northeast Oregon um, and was pretty much just doing like the usual MRE kind of backcountry nutrition where you throw a bunch of potatoes and hot dogs in the back of your truck and like go, go for trips. Um, and then I moved away to go to college in Eugene, actually, not too far from you. Um, and when I was at the University of Oregon, um, I got more into backpacking and backcountry skiing and I really got in kind of the weeds on uh, backcountry nutrition, uh, especially when my metabolism started slowing down. I came like 
38 pounds in, in a year. And I was like, oh, I, I, I really need to start paying more attention to this stuff, um, as well as, you know, fitness. Um, so, you know, I hunt quite a bit. Uh, I ski a fair amount. And, and then I also just like to go on backpacking trips. Um, and so my girlfriend, um, who I've been with for three years now, three and a half, um, she got into grad school out here at the University of Wyoming. Um, and so we moved out here to Laramie just a year ago now. Uh, and so there's obviously a ton of great outdoor activities here, but, uh, it's been really fun to not only, uh, be dialing in my own backcountry nutrition, but, uh, I also, you know, her and I get to work together on her stuff too. She's, um, pescatarian and she's also gluten-free. Um, so I've kind of got a pretty good, um, spectrum of experiences here from like really taking a few years to dial in my stuff and then working with her and, and how we've um, kind of worked around some of her uh, dietary restrictions. Um, so when I picked up this job with uh, Cody Rich at Backcountry Fuel Box, um, it was really a good fit because I'm just, I'm really excited about dialing in Backcountry Nutrition. Um, and I get really geeky on some of this stuff. Like I've got spreadsheets on spreadsheets of, of calories per ounce. Um, and then also like calories per dollar. And, and I really try to make it a science at some level. Yeah. And it, and it seems to be, it kind of naturally goes that direction. It seems like. Oh yeah. Well, especially, um, you know, I, I, the way I think about it is if you're going out on these backpacking trips or backcountry hunting trips, um, and you're spending a ton of time and money and effort to go do these things, um, whether it's just getting a babysitter for the kids or, or in our case, um, you know, if I'm going hunting, you know, getting a dog sit or something like that, um, you're putting a lot of effort into this and I think it's worth it to make sure that you have a good experience, um, whether it's gear or just the food that you're putting in your body. Um, I have some experiences where I haven't not like dialed in my nutrition and I've bonked, um, which just, you know, you get super shaky and mm-hmm. you run out of energy and, and man, it just is not worth it in my opinion to go out um, into the back country and have those experiences. It's not. And like you said, there's so much investment that goes into it, whether it's, you know, sacrifice from job, finances, family, pets, you know, whatever. There's just so much that goes into it that it's hard to not want to be really diligent about making sure it's a good experience and that you're well prepared. Right. And a lot of that translates into like everything that we do, I think now in our society that, that we live in is based off of feeling. how do I feel about it? Right. So, excuse me, am I motivated to do it? Do I have enough energy to do it? All those kinds of things. And so if you put that in a scenario where you're day after day exhausted, you're putting miles on the ground, you know, your body's beat up, plus you're not giving your body what it needs to optimize recovery and efficiency. It's not a good experience. Like it's not going to keep you wanting to go back for more and more and more if you're not doing it in a way that your body is happy with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's where, you know, uh, I think at some level, um, obviously, you know, in your line of work, you probably have some steadfast rules that you suggest for folks, but at some level, man, you're, it's going to depend on what each person needs and what each person's like body demands. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think there's always a, a ton of great rules of thumb, um, to work with here, but you also have to do some testing. There's yeah. like that some level there is a, a learning curve, whether it's just testing out what you enjoy, to, like enjoy eating and you'll make sure you finish 
or it's testing out what your body likes. Um, there is a little, like you have to go through the process still. There's no shortcut. For sure. No. And I think it's, you know, it's much easier for somebody who understands and knows their body a little bit better. Um, those who are maybe like brand new to like, you know, hunting in general, then you add hiking and then you add back country and maybe they're not super familiar with what the, their body signs are telling them. It's going to be even harder for them to figure out how to make sure they're getting enough of the right things, packing enough food, getting enough water, all of that kind of stuff, because it does take a while and being very aware before you can get a sense of the feedback your body is giving you, whether that's headache, energy levels, you know, shortness of breath, cramps, all of those things, you know, those things are indications of your body saying, hey, this information is coming to you because something isn't going right here. Um, and, you know, there's definitely a learning curve for somebody to figure out what those things are, specifically if you are more of a beginner in this area. Oh, totally. And even just in the last couple of years, I, you know, I've really been trying to nail down like what it means to carry enough water um, because I... You know, like if you get down the rabbit hole of trying to be lightweight, you're like, okay, I'm just going to bring enough water, you know, that I need. Because a couple of years ago, I brought in like, I don't know, I had two um, 48 ounce Nalgene's and a 32 ounce Nalgene that were in my pack, and I realized I was carrying a ton of weight that I didn't need. Mm-hmm. And we were going to hike up to a lake. So we're like, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like we were going to have a water shortage. So being able to think about like what your, what your hydration needs are and what your, what, that water need is for your food and coffee if you run that type of thing those those are all pieces that i think you can have um good rules for but again like it's going to be situational too that's one i honestly struggle with the most and you know conditions what your elements are like your elevation all of that's going to play a role into it so for me i always take more than i need i feel like because I have one of those fears of like, what happens if we get there and we don't find the lake or, you know, there's not a a stream or there's not an option. Then I feel like, you know, it's much harder to like make water out of thin air than it is to just pack a little bit more weight. So what is your actual recommendation for like um, ounces per day as far as water if you're taking it into a place where there's not going to be a refillable or a purifiable source? Oh, man. So let's let's use a specific scenario because um, I think, so for instance, when I'm backcountry skiing um, and we usually have an early start to the day and we're usually back to the car by two o'clock, but you're spending a bunch of energy. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I normally just take my 32 ounce Nalgene and then at lunch I boil a little bit, a little bit more water or if it's spring skiing, you can melt some water like um, throughout the day in your Nalgene bottle. Um, so, Look, I don't think 32 ounces is enough for most folks if you're just trying to, like, plan that for the day. Sure. You know, uh, so if you're going in on, let's use a, let's use an exact example. Um, last summer, um, Sarah and I went on a backpacking trip in the Eagle Caps, um, and it was a nine-mile trip in. We had three or 4,000 feet uh, of elevation to gain, and we both had our 48-ounce Nalgene's full. And, you know, we knew that we needed to drink all those. Like, really, like, it was, we started kind of midday, which is probably not recommended (laughs) either. But, um, you know, we knew we needed to drink all those. And we also knew that we could refill them there right at the the top. So uh, I think at some level you should also err on the side of of having too much water. Um, 
you know, don't try to, don't try to cut the weight, even though, you know, it, water does weigh quite a bit. Um, and the other thing that I found is like, so I usually run a Nalgene bottle, um, but having a hydration pack is a way easier way to like mm-hmm. get that water through your, into your system more consistently. Um, I just don't like it when it freezes when I'm back under skiing. So I, I just keep out of my bag. Yeah, for sure. And and that's actually something that, um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I think it's easier to forget to stay hydrated and then you find yourself in a bad situation when you're having to like actually stop, take it out of your pack or pull it out of a pouch pocket to stay hydrated. If it's right there and easily, you know, available, it makes it a lot more, um, just a lot easier to stay hydrated and to remind yourself because that's something I battle with a lot, especially in colder conditions is I'm, I don't drink enough water, you know? So I'm constantly reminding myself, okay, I, I need to, to make sure I, I stop and, and, uh, you know, rehydrate for sure. But yeah, but then there's the, there's the other side of the, the coin. Uh, we were just on, uh, and we were going quite a ways in the backcountry, but on a day hunt, you uh-huh. know, we would get up, couple hours before daylight hike in a few miles and uh there were three of us on the elk hunt and one of the guys had that he was actually the only one of the three of us who had the hydration bladder he ended up like he drank too much water and then had like some stomach issues going on and like you know we kind of had to stop the weight because he, there is a balance you can't you can't overdo it and then end up like with a sloshing stomach that mm. you know makes you feel like you should you know can't go as hard or, or need to wait for that to settle. So, yeah, again, I think at some level people need to to test that part out for themselves. Yeah, you know that's kind of with all of these things. Just kind of like what you said earlier, there's got to be this area where you learn exactly what works for you because with anything, it's not like what works for your hunting partner is going to be the best thing for you. You know, your body's not going to respond, you know, to that the same way it is to somebody, somebody else in the same scenario, you know, so trial and error for sure, getting a feel for what your body needs. Um, what are the most common mistakes that you find like, um, beginner hikers, backcountry hunters, backpackers, what are, what are they making that you see happen consistently? The number one mistake, and I knew this like as you were as you were teeing it up, I was like, <laughs> "Oh, here we go." The number one mistake is people aren't bringing enough calories um, because folks will, you know, pack as if they were at home um, for the backcountry. And man, like you burn so many more calories, you know, at elevation as you're um, gaining and losing a bunch of elevation. You're spending a bunch of calories, and then the fact that you're just you're out all day long and you're being active kind of all day long man, you, you really got to pay attention to how many calories you're putting in. Um, and, you know, in order to get enough, um, knowing what really high calorie options are that work for your body is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of folks, and I've just got on this train recently, um, of bringing along, like, olive oil packets. If you're, even if you're just going for, the, for a weekend outing, um, bringing along olive oil packets, um, a bunch of macadamia nuts, uh, things that are super high uh, in calories per ounce is really important to be to be integrating into your uh, diet just so you make sure that your body stays fueled. Um, and then obviously the level of, you know, how much of that stuff your body needs is going to depend on each person. Um, but I'm, so I'm 168 pounds. I'm not a very big guy. I'm 5'6". Um, but with a 40-pound pack on, if we're going five miles a day, and have 2,000 vertical feet, um, 
man, I'm going to double my caloric intake. I'm going to go from like 2,300 to like 4,600 calories a day. Yep, for sure. And I think, you know, when it comes to figuring out what you need, there definitely, and I see this a lot, people will underestimate their expenditure, right? So they'll think about like, well, on an average day, you know, even if I have a little, you know, excess of calories, I'm only hitting around like 3000 maybe. But when you think about, you know, the elevation and, you know, you might consider like, oh, well, I might hike six miles or I might be climbing, you know, 1800 feet. But are you considering all of the gear that you have and the extra weight that you're taking with you? And, you know, so I definitely see that that's a, a common mistake people make. And it's easy to do. I can see how that could happen because you think, well, one, you're being very conscious of how much weight you're taking, right? Um, there's obviously a, a cost in the, you know, in the dollar per what you're taking too. So I think people try to err on the side of like maybe being cautious and not overbuying things. But I think, um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. It's really wise for somebody to actually go through and figure it out, not just guess or throw a bunch of things in. Um, and kind of wraps back around to like having spreadsheets. I think it's good to be really thorough with that because I have a, a personality that by nature I can just like wing things and underpack and not really think things through, like count out all the days and all the meals or whatever it is. So for me, right, what I'm doing, right. I have to plan things out and I have to write it down. Otherwise I'll like miss a meal somewhere or I'll be, you know, 800 calories short or something like that. So I think that when it comes to those kind of things, the spreadsheets are really, really important to have. Oh man, I totally agree. So I, I do these spreadsheets. I do like daily to do lists. I, I spend a lot of time trying to keep myself organized because if I don't, I lose my like like I don't stay on task. And I forget stuff and like I'm all over the place. So um, that's why yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, one trick that I've done um, when I'm packing my food in particular is I just get like Ziploc gallon bags and we'll partition each day or a portion each day in one gallon bag um, so that as I'm putting them in there, you know, I'll just be eat. So first step would be to know kind of what types of foods you need to buy at the store, first of all. But once you've got those foods in your house, like making sure you bring enough just is a matter of having a little pen and, and paper. And then as you're putting stuff into that bag, um, for each day, writing down how many calories, and then also paying attention to like what type of calories they are too. Because um, if you just put if you just put four thousand calories of olive oil packets in there, I think you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> that wouldn't be too good. I did that last year when we went to Idaho. Um, I planned all three of our meals. Um, there was me, Steven, and then a good friend of ours, Joe, and we're all very different. You know, I'm 5'10", female, you know, 160, he's, uh, Steven's 6'6", 220, and then our friend Joe's like 5'10", and at the time, I think he was 270. So we're all very different in what our needs are going to be. And I was freaking out just a little bit because it was the first time I had like really taken charge to like make sure we're all going to be like you know, way out, we need to make sure that we have enough. And I'm responsible for, for that for you, you know? So there was definitely that a lot, a lot that went into it. And I remember I did the same thing. I got a gallon Ziploc and that's what each day would go into. And then on the outside of the bags, cause I did some like, um, DIY dehydration and stuff. I would write, um, how many calories that particular meal had. And then I actually broke it down, 
uh, by macronutrients as well so that we could kind of figure out exactly like if somebody was needing a little bit more um, in the way of carbs or if they needed a little bit more fat, they could kind of choose which meal they wanted to have next based on that. And all of us kind of know our body enough to know what those needs, you know, would be like. So, but it was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's some, yeah, that preparation. The nice thing is, um, you know, in, in my opinion, so what I've found when I've done this over the last couple of years is once you have a good system, though, you can kind of repeat it every trip and figure out basically what you need, um, you know, without having to go starting from the bottom, you know, and, and, and figuring out, oh, what meal fits this category and has these kind of macronutrients. Like, once you have some staples, they're pretty easy to go back to. For sure. So, so uh, I was just going to ask you real quick while we're on this topic of some of the macronutrients. Um, I know you, like, I listened to some of your older podcasts and I know that you touched on the fact that um, your very low carb diet, um, I don't know what you're doing currently or if you do do keto, uh, ketogenic diet currently. Um, but what have you found like works well for folks on a ketogenic diet? I know that my, for myself personally, like I run a really low carb diet, but when I go to the backcountry, I need, like, I found kind of through trial and error that I need to increase my carb intake because I don't operate like on keto. Yeah. You know, again, it's very different for everybody right now. I'm not doing a ketogenic diet. I love doing keto. I have never felt as good, as energetic, as clear-minded, as on fire for like every single day as I do when I'm on keto. Um, But I'm freaking lazy right now when it comes to like meal prep and planning out and going to the grocery store. Um, So it's totally just a cop-out and an excuse. Um... So I've just been doing a pretty normal diet. I guess you would say it's it's a balanced, but it's still relatively low carb, just in the way that I don't eat a bunch of grains. I don't focus on bread. Um, my carbs typically come from like fibrous vegetables, sometimes fruits. Um, I have added in more yogurt lately. Um and it's not like the full fat like I would typically focus on. So for me, and for both of the other guys on that Idaho trip, we were all um, on the keto diet during that trip. And we felt great. Like our energy level felt, you know, it was on point every day. We never bonked. There was no, you know, like not doing it today, can't make it kind of thing. We didn't deal with cramps, which was great. Um, but I did cycle in more carbs um, every, was it every third day? I cycled in and I can't remember the percentage that I added. I could go back and add it in the show notes, but I would add in. So I made a dehydrated banana powder. And so I, I put that into our backcountry oatmeal that I made, um, so that we had that in the morning to obviously help with cramping, um, to add some more potassium in, but also to increase the carbohydrate intake for that day. So every second or third day, I would kind of cycle back in some more carbs, Um, And then we felt fine the entire time. I know some people, though, definitely do struggle with being out there. You know, little sleep obviously plays a role in what your metabolism is going to do as well. Um, So, again, it kind of goes back to everybody's going to be different. But I think, you know, I would never recommend somebody start a ketogenic diet or go, you know, newly keto and then go on a trip like this without having tested it out in an area that's going to be closer to home or where you can have some more options. Um, just because there is a transitional period that people can have a hard time going through. And I don't think being out on a hunt where you've invested a bunch of time and money is the place to play around with that. 
Um, but you know, some people also do fine and they don't have to add or cycle in any of those carbs. I hear you. Yeah. I, you know, again, I think like you're saying, it kind of depends on how long you've been doing it and you know, how hard you've been going at it. You know, like, um, I think if you're someone obviously like me, who's like very, like, I've definitely probably never been in ketosis, but I eat, like, I don't eat any bread or pasta at home and, uh, or like an occasional burger going to the backcountry for me it was like I, I kept trying to add more nuts into my diet um because they have such high um calories per ounce um but i would still find that i end up really shaky like at some level i crash um on some trips um especially if it's a backcountry skiing trip actually like and we're doing like yo-yo style skiing so you're basically you just get to the bottom of a run take your put your skins on your skis and then go straight up the hill, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're burning those kind, that kind of energy, I always have to bring extra um, carbohydrates, which, because I found like just having high calorie nuts weren't working for me. So I ended up going with more of like the um, honey stinger waffles uh, in particular. Uh, which are delicious, by the way. Oh, God, they're so addicting. I can't have them in the house or else I just eat them. Uh, that's funny that you mentioned that because I just bought a case of them and they were sitting in our uh, pantry and I was gone. I think I was up in Alaska and I came home and like at least half of it was gone. And I was like, so did, did you like the honey stingers? And he's like, yeah, those are super good. And I was like, I kind of intended those to be for like backpacking and hunting and stuff, but I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. like them. But it's funny because every time I'm out on a mountain and I open one up, I like fantasize about like dipping them in like ice cream or like a really creamy, like protein shake and eating them that way. Oh man. Oh, they're so good. They're That's awesome. Good. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, I'm really on the, um, uh, honey stinger plus a nut butter train. Like, yeah. um, you can get for two ounces, you can get 360, 370 calories. Uh-huh. Um, in in a snack that I freaking love. So especially when I'm backpacking or doing some really high um, high output activity for a long period of time, yeah, those are definitely with me every time. Oh, they're so good. So speaking of calories per ounce, I know there's kind of like a general standard to get like around 100 calories per ounce of food. Is that the aim that you go for? Do you have a specific recommendation? Yeah, 150 calories. Look, 150 calories an ounce. If you're hitting that, you're doing pretty darn good. Um, and at some level, like, at some level, if you're bringing along food that's really high calories per ounce, but you're not going to eat it, it would be better just to bring, you know, stuff that's maybe a little bit lighter, but that you will eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're someone who's not a fan of the nut butters, for instance, usually those things are like 200 calories an ounce. Um, if you're not a huge fan of those, like I would just say, don't bring them and, you know, bump up your weight just a little bit. Um, if you're under two pounds of food per day, you're doing pretty darn good. Um, and for most folks, um, it, you know, especially if you're just getting into it, I think that's a great place to start. Um, and if you're a little over that's fine too, but like, don't, don't sacrifice your, your enjoyment in the backcountry just to be like the most ultralight person especially when you're getting started. Now, if you've done it a few years and you're really trying to push yourself, that's where I think, you know, it's kind of fun to to see what you can, um, you know, calories per ounce, what you can get it up to and what you can get your weight down to. 
So I'm assuming that since you're doing all these spreadsheets, you're looking at calories per ounce and then total daily weight for your food. Do you think that it's important to look at both or do you, I mean, if somebody was only really going to take the time to consider one, are you looking at calories per ounce over total daily weight? Yeah, I do look, I look at that first and foremost because at some level, like, and this goes back to making sure you know what you need on your trip. Um, at some level, if you're if you're looking at how many calories per ounce you're going to need, um, I really, honestly, I primarily look, start with calories and make sure that you're hitting that level using a white the right variety of foods. Then you look at the calories per ounce, and if you're you know trying to decide between a um, I've got my spreadsheet open right here, so if you're trying to decide between um, Thai peanut noodles that are 640 calories or beef pasta marinara that's 990 calories and you want to um, really make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck, just go for the higher, like I personally go for the higher calories um, and that comes out to be lower weight at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> so there's always, there's a thing like um, Aaron Snyder at Kofaru, he always talks about like at some level you need what you need and there's, you know, you can't trim it down you know, less than that. <laughs> so, I the you know whatever your final weight ends up being is what it ends up being, and I would just focus more on making sure you have the right foods and enough calories first and foremost. Do you ever find that you are you end up pulling stuff out of your pack or modifying your gear list based on the food and the amount of food that you're packing? Oh, I mean a little bit. I again, I, once you kind of get a system going then you have kind of filtered those things out. Um, one thing that I keep doing but I uh, probably could not is bringing like a bowl or something like that to, to put my stuff in. Um, I run an MSR wind burner um, stove, and it's honestly probably heavier than I need to boil to just boil water. It, you know, it, it's really convenient, though. I like everything packs inside of it. Um, and then so... There also is a, uh, so one, I could cook inside that if I wanted to. Two, it comes with a little cup thing that fits on the bottom of it that I could, that I use. Mm-hmm. Or three, you could just cook stuff in the bag. So, you know, finding, finding the right kind of set of gear. And if you've got, um, like Trailtopia is one company that makes a great bag that you can cook in. If you're running all Trailtopia meals, just, you can leave the cup or the, the bowl at home and just, you know, cook it in the, in the bag. And those kinds of, like, little gear refinements are things you can do. Um, but really, man, it only saves you a couple ounces at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's definitely a level of comfort that needs to be held. Um, I, I would say this, and some women might want to punch me in the face, but I think specifically for women, you want to be a certain level of comfortable when you're in those elements. Um, and I know for me in particular, like when it comes to sleeping, I'll take a little bit more to be comfortable and get good rest. Um, you know, it's like, that's an area I don't typically scrimp or try to pull gear out of. I want two pillows. (laughs) I want, you know, I want my lost park parka that I can put over my face when I'm sleeping in my, in my bag, you know, like I just need to be comfortable. So, um, but yeah, when it comes to food, you don't want to be, you know, way, way back out somewhere with no real other options and going, gosh, I really wish I had more food because I 
I, I need it tomorrow, you know, like I need it to recover and I yeah. need it for the, the energy to make tomorrow happen. So, um, getting to, oh, getting to the moment of truth and realizing you don't have enough gas left in the tank to make it there wouldn't be a good feeling. So I think a little bit more is better than less for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I honestly, so, um, on the back of your Instagram a little while back, I, I did kind of like a layout of all the food that I was taking for this, um, bear hunt I was going on. And when I did it, you know, I kind of, I laid out, um, five days worth of food. Um, and then at the end of this like lineup, I also had like emergency food, mm-hmm. stuff that was like to get me out of a hole if I was packing meat or something and, and I needed the extra energy. So like, it doesn't matter. It, you know, I try to be cognizant of what my weight per ounce per day is and making sure I hit my calorie level. But then I also always have a little something just in case of an emergency. Um, it may also just be because I've had some experiences where I've bonked and I just, uh, it, you know, you feel like you have no energy and you, you're just like, this really sucks. I hope I get out. You know? Yeah. So making sure that doesn't happen, I think is really, really important to making sure you one have a good trip and two, don't get yourself in any danger. So what are those go-to items for you? I know some people like to do like honey sticks. Um, some people take like candy, Mike and Ike's, whatever. What, what are your go-to's? Um, so especially in hunting season, actually, and in skiing season, I always have Jolly Ranchers, um, as backups. They end up, they, they work their way into the house more than I would like to admit, but, <laughs> but Jolly Ranchers are something that are my go-to pickup. Um, but then, you know, if I'm so in that little, um, thing I did on Instagram, uh, I brought along a bunch of cranberries, um, and, you know, some, some sweeter fruits, um, are, what I kind of go to as a quick pick me up. I do a lot of backpacking apps, but we've got back apples, but they're just dried apples with a little bit of sugar and cinnamon on them. Um, and those are, those are my other go-to as far as that, like kind of emergency energy to, to get me out of somewhere. Um, and then the honey stingers are also pretty much always in my pack at some level too. So say that you are out on a hunt somewhere, you're in between sitting down to have meals, you find the critters you're after, and you've got a, you know, you've got a considerable amount of distance that you need to cover before you make your move. Are you going to sit down and try to jam out a meal? Are you going to grab, you know, tap into some of those snacks? Do you have a, a specific <clears throat> go-to for making sure that it's something that's not a super like pungent odor? Like what are your, what are your go-tos in that scenario? Um, so you're probably talking about like a mule deer situation, right? Where you're like, you get a ways off and now you got to come right around and put a stock on it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I actually hunted in Nebraska of all places and had some situations like this, um, just last year where, you know, I had it, I glassed it up and then they were sitting beneath a cliff and I was like, all right, great. Now I've got a ways to go and get around there. And as you know, like, sometimes those stocks, like, once you're in the middle of it, it can be a long time before you're back to your backpack and, like, ready to go. Um, in that specific case, I just got one of our boxes, and I had um, the Honey Stinger Chews, actually. And so those are the ones that are just, I mean, it's like a gummy bear, basically. Um, it's like a high-octane gummy bear. And I pounded a couple of those before I went out there. Um, just to make sure, like, I was rearing to go for however long that stock was going to take. Um, I don't worry too much about, like, 
making a full meal, um, assuming that I've already eaten something big for the breakfast. Um, but that, you know, just making sure also in that case, I have Jolly Ranchers in my pocket still. So making sure you have something that kind of keeps you going while you're sitting there or while you're moving in, like, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. So are you dropping a pack then and taking like a smaller pack in with you with like hydration and a few essentials or are you just dropping pack and, and booking it? So in that specific case, um, I was, I was basically like camped out at, at the trailhead. Um, I wasn't backpacked in a long ways, so I brought the pack with me. Um, what I do like to do though, like is have just a disposable plastic bottle water bottle um and if you're going in on a stock like have water in one of those and slip it in one of the the side pockets on your on your pants that works pretty well so that you're you know depending on how long it takes you can stay you know and i wouldn't say you necessarily stay hydrated when you're only taking like a few ounces of water but uh you can definitely keep your thirst quenched at least Mm -hmm. until until the stock's over um yeah so more of them more often than not uh I'm going to drop my pack at some point just to make sure that I have full range of motion while you get over, like, while you're over there. But in this specific case, just, a, um, just last year, it was like I got 200 yards away before I dropped my pack. Basically for that final like red zone when I really needed to be super quiet is when I got rid of um, the excess weight stuff that I was carrying with me. Yeah. And it's, it's good to get rid of anything that can be a factor for like extra noise or those, those synthetic sounds that can come from a pack rubbing against some sage or something like that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's also like you have good body awareness when you're just trimmed down to, you know, in that case I was just rocking, I was barefoot and my pants rolled up and I was wearing a t-shirt. Right. So I was pretty much as, as, a sleek of a profile if I could get myself down to mm-hmm. when I finally made that last stock. Yeah. yeah. The body, the body awareness and like proprioception is a funny thing because we um, had to hike in, we had a bunch of crazy weather here. So our hunting spot is just like kibosh. Like there's, we can't get into it. We can hike in. Um, it was five miles to get back and pull one of our stands the other day. So we cut trail halfway through like, a few weeks ago. And then we made the final push just, uh, two days ago, I think it was, excuse me. And so we, uh, we went back in there and I just have like a small day pack with a few essentials and my water and stuff in it. And I'm like trying to like go up and over these trees and like move through limbs. Cause it's just like, it's like a, just a debris field, like anywhere you go in there now, like it's, it's not even like having like windfall it's just like mayhem in there and so I'm like going through these things and where you feel like you're just gonna like you know squat down and go under something I found myself like stuck several times even with just like a you know really sleek day pack so it's kind of funny how sometimes you're like oh I'll totally clear this and then you're like shit I'm hung up (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah I do that every time I have like my rifle strapped to my pack or my bow or what anything that pokes out for sure it is bound to get caught every time I go into or over something. <laughs> totally. Yep. Steven, it just cracks him up. Cause I'll be like, you know, you'll try to reach back and like try to get it. And I don't have super great range of motion in my shoulders from like old injuries and stuff. And so I'll be like trying to reach back and like untangle it. And then I'm like backing up, you know, I'm like, okay, I've got to get out of this somehow. But yeah. One of those little. <laughs> it's in the cascade, right? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I tried to learn how to hunt up there, and uh, I was never successful um, when I was in Eugene, but it was, it, there's a steep learning curve there for sure. Oh, it's so freaking hard. Every season, I at some point inevitably am like, we are freaking idiots. Like, why do we continue to hunt in this crap? Like, it's awful. But, oh, yeah. But it makes the reward of, like, actually being able to even see something out there, you know, it just, it's worth it. It's it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, chaotic jungle, you know, and, and there's, like, this sick obsession I have with it because, like, it's not like being in other parts of the country, even in, like, other parts of Oregon where you see a lot more deer, you see a lot more elk. Like, but out there for me, like, once you do have that opportunity or once you do get face-to-face with a buck, it's just, like, I've freaking worked my heart and soul to the ground for this opportunity, you know? So there's something to be said for that kind of a reward when the when the effort and the the determination are so high. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's funny, like I, I have this, so this is 2019 is the year of the elk. Um, because I have hunted, I think was it five years now, which is 2019. I started in 20 chasing elk in 2014. So this is my fifth season of chasing elk and I've been so close. Um, but I like have already gotten myself hyped for that moment when it all comes together, even though it's, hasn't come together yet (laughs) but that is like literally what you strive for on every hunt you know and when it comes to like these conversations about you us getting really nitpicky about your um about your food or other conversations about deer you know people really kind of get in the weeds on this stuff but it's all like in this big preparation effort for you know this final event that you're super excited for and like everything that you have that you can control it's pretty necessary to control it if you can because um you know at the end of the day you're chasing wild critters and they have their own agenda and you're kind of at mother nature's mercy you are there's so many different factors that go against that ultimate uh, the ultimate objective right and then then you look at how many different things and how many different facets are coming against you to go like nope (laughs) nope not gonna happen you know so it's, it is yeah. pretty crazy when you think about like when you really truly sit down and think about how much effort is put into a hunt, you know, it's, yeah, absolutely. it's almost hard to like quantify that, you know? It, yeah. And again, it kind of goes back to like, wow, people are really crazy to think this is a fun thing at some level, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a lot of effort. It would be, you know, and I really enjoyed being, I really enjoyed backpacking it would be way easier to just go do that and get the same experience for 95 to 99% of the time, you know, and have a better experience. But, you know, it's what we live for, so. It is, yeah. It's it's a sickness, yeah. I'm convinced. <laughs> Me too. So um, I was actually curious, uh, what, you said you were dehydrating some meals yourself. What are some uh, meals that you like to dehydrate? Oh, gosh. For, for people <clears throat> So last year I did a bunch of uh, vegetables to put into a soup. And so I kind of did a couple things. I did a couple that were 100%, you know, self dehydrated and prepared. I did uh, a couple too that were like kind of like a compilation of, I got some of the dehydrated um, prepackaged, I always forget what the hell these things are called. 
uh, instant mashed potatoes. Why I forget that, I don't I don't know. But I'm not an instant mashed potato person. <laughs> so I got some of those, and I did some uh, dried cauliflower to make like a like a dry powder to do um, instant cauliflower mashed potatoes. So I did half and half of the prepackaged ones, and then half and half with the cauliflower. And I did a um, potato, bacon, and ham soup. And it was really funny because Stephen was like, can you make this when we get home? Like, can we have this every single day? But I will admit, and this is something that anybody can relate to, like, it made him super gassy. (laughs) And I think that's something that you run into with doing like dehydrated meals or anything that's prepackaged, you can have a sensitivity to. But there are going to be some things I think you'll find will not necessarily agree with the GI system. And that, uh-huh. that was one for him for sure. But it was really tasty. He he really enjoyed it. Um, so I did that soup. I also did a vegetable, chicken, and uh, zoodle soup, which was actually extremely hard to dehydrate zoodles because they're so, you know, there's there's so much water content in them. Um, so that one was kind of a pain in my butt. I think I dehydrated the zoodles for like days. <laughs> Oh, man. But that one was good. And then I did um, the dried banana powder. Um, I did that into our oatmeal. I also put that into, what was it? There was one more thing. Um, I did the slivered, like, so, like, the little end pieces into our trail mix, which was really good. Um, And then I did a couscous uh, chicken and vegetable kind of, like, bake thing. What I didn't consider, and this is something I was going to talk to you about, is the time and the amount of water to cook couscous. <clears throat> it ended up being the water we had to pack in was way more than I wanted to to pack in. I think we had to do like two and a half cups or more per serving of that, <clears throat> which was, you know, what I consider to be a lot. Is there when you're considering um doing like a uh, rehydrating a dehydrated meal is there like an amount of water that you want to look at like a ratio for doing those Uh, i don't have like a solid rule of thumb but um one of the things is like you do want to err on the side of having too much water for those like there's nothing that i dislike from these meals more than more than like as you're eating it finding some that are still powdery or like still super super crunchy and i find like i try to skimp on my water too often because then it ends up really tasting bad so i don't have like an exact ratio for you but whatever they say on the bag make sure you have that um plus enough for your for your drink plus enough for maybe a little extra splash in case it doesn't fully rehydrate Mm -hmm. um the other thing is i think elevation is going to play um some sort of uh, factor into into that because if you're at 10,000 feet and your water starts boiling uh, there's something that it boils before it's actually 212 degrees I think as you get higher up um, so I mean those factors are going to change the how much water you need even if it's only a little bit so I wouldn't try to skip just bring enough sure yeah definitely 
Well, you know, as somebody who was just getting into that, I really, you know, I considered bringing the water in addition to what we need to drink and what we need for coffee and what we need for the oatmeal in the morning and stuff like that. And the oatmeal is super easy. But when it came to doing that couscous, I thought, oh, this is going to be such a great meal. It's going to be hearty, you know, all these kind of things. And it was not. <laughs> it was kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing to consider when you're doing that is, like, you're, it's going to demand more on your stove system as well. Um, so, you know, if you're if you're bringing couscous in and, and you have plenty of water right there accessible, you can't even buy a lake or a stream or something, um, man, you're still going to need plenty of fuel from your fuel canister to make sure you boil all that water plus the rest of the water you need for the week. So, like, I wouldn't want, like, I would imagine if you're bringing, like, four days worth of meals of couscous, you're going to have a significantly higher demand of fuel than if you were just brought normal, normal meals. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think we ended up being really short and ran out of one of the, the fuel tanks. So we kind of all had to like oh, pitch no. in together, you know, so it was fine. It yeah. worked out, but it's, you know, it's trial and error, not only in what your body needs, but what you need from your gear and how much of it you'll need and what you'll use. Um, and then you can get back from a hunt or a, a backpacking trip and you can go like, I don't need that in my pack next time, but I will take, you know, an extra canister or a bigger canister instead. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, so this month, um, uh, we're going to do some backpacking trips. Uh, my birthday is in the middle of the month and we, I really want to do something for our birthday and then just go to the mountains for a couple of days. Um, and when we go on that trip, uh, I am dedicating that trip being a stoveless trip um i haven't tried that before i know it's gone well for other people but uh i'm gonna honestly just you know i might do some cold soaked oats for breakfast um but really all the other meals and stuff are going to be um either it's going to be cold soap or uh it's going to be uh, a dry meal um so hopefully you know hopefully it ends up well but um i you know a bunch of you know it's kind of like a people who, who really want to challenge their weight in their pack and then also by leaving that stove at home and also just want a, an easier process of not boiling water, um, have been trying to move that direction. So I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. So. It'd be interesting to hear how that, how that goes. I find if I'm doing something where I'm not rehydrating or if I'm not like it's hard to have like a meal, I guess, if you don't have a stove and at least in my experience and an opinion. And so then I kind of just feel like I'm, my digestive system needs to have something extra, whether then I have to like boost my hydration. Um, otherwise I just feel heavy. I get bloated and I just don't, things don't want to work properly. Have you ever run into that scenario? Um, you know, I haven't tried going fully like without cooking meals yet. Um, I do, so this is one of the nice things about what I do for work is like there, I get exposure to some really great options and Food for Soul and Ben um, have a cold soak coleslaw that's super good. Um, and uh, this is a little bit of a, this is a little bit of a teaser for next month, but there's a meat product that is like a dried meat that I'm going to put, it's, it's dried pork. So I'm going to put dried pork in the Food for Soul coleslaw bag and use that as more of like, 
you know, it won't be hot, but it's going to be really kind of closer to a traditional meal. Um, and it's going to be well over like 700 calories at the end of it. So I'm trying to kind of hack the system by doing stuff like that and not going fully to um, green belly meals, which are the meal bars that have all the nutrients you need, but they're still just a bar, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, that kind of wraps back to something that I wanted to just get a a quick kind of recap from you. When it comes to somebody who's going to be planning a backpacking trip, maybe they're not necessarily going out to hunt, but they're strapping on a pack. They're going to go for, let's say, three days. What are... I mean, what are the staples and the essentials that you want to look for in backpacking food as far as, you know, nutritional density and weight? Like, what are the top things that somebody should be considering? Um, I think maybe it'll be easier to answer this exact question by looking at some of the foods that I would bring, like, on a, on a single-day trip. Um, that way, folks will, like, get a good idea of, you know, what that actually looks like when you're at the store, mm-hmm. and then... You know, you can kind of reverse engineer that for what they need. Um, so just like from the start of the day, I'm a coffee guy. Um, and I, so this is probably the hardest part about trying to do a stoveless deal um, this uh, this month. But uh, I usually do like a dark timber packet. Um, you know, they have like an ascent pack, um, something to kind of kickstart your morning. And then I do a, an oatmeal. Um, off-grid Predator Fuel is super good. Um and then there's another one coming out uh, here pretty soon that's actually in Seattle as well, and um, they're going to be awesome. Uh, it's called Backpack, was it Backcountry Staples? Um, and those kinds of um, kind of quick hitting, I you know, he- heavier on the carbs type um, breakfast seem to get me going better than not. Um, I also, you know, some days if I'm really just not wanting to get out the stove in the morning. Um, other than to make some coffee, uh, I will do a big sir bar or protein puck. Um, again, if you're looking at these things as like a daily meal or like a daily snack, probably not the best for you to have, if, especially if you're like at a desk job or something like I am. But when you're in the backcountry, those are great things to kind of get you kick-started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at like, you know, I want to make sure I have two snacks before lunch and two snacks after lunch. Um, and those things are usually like your honey stinger and a, you know, your, so I guess technically those are stroop waffles and a nut butter. Um, honey stinger is my go-to just because they're pretty readily available. Um, and then Justin's nut, uh, you know, nut butter packets are also super readily available, and that's what I end up with for those snacks. Um, trail mix also is a great thing to work into there. Um, and then I, I know that you, you work with Wilderness Athlete, which I was stoked about because um, their Hydrate and Recover is absolutely my my favorite hydration and, and recovery drink at this point. Um, Ready Nutrients also makes a good one. Um, but when I'm stocking up, I go to that Hydrate and Recover. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. And so then you kind of work in, like, your lunches and your dinners. Um, again, you got to kind of figure out what you want to do. If you're just backpacking and you have the time to make a, a full meal for lunch, all the more power to you. Um I oftentimes will go with, like, a, a green belly meal or something else that's, like, really calorie-dense but in a bar um, and then do something like a hydra- another hydration drink at lunch or something that kind of keeps um, electrolyte levels up, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and then you obviously just have you just have your dinner. So I want to say just have your dinner as in, like, 
usually for dinner, it's prepackaged, and most of the time, you know, you know exactly how many calories you're getting out of it, and, and that's all kind of figured out for you. I do like to add in um, packets of olive oil, you know, especially if I am doing, if you're on a little bit um, more strict of a diet, like gluten-free, um, there's not gluten-free or keto. Sometimes folks are just really trying to add a little extra calorie um, into their meal. And that's a good way to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> I just found um, doing like a powdered MCT, like Wilderness Athlete has the wild C8s. And I, have, you know, I would try to do like an MCT powder into like even my soups um, just to add a little bit more of the, the fat profile <clears throat> and to increase the overall calorie density of the meal. So, so it you know, tastes pretty good in, in like it's just a meal? Yeah, it does. Like there's okay. virtually no no taste to the wild C8s whatsoever. So I actually will put that in my coffee in the morning. Um, I'll put it into a shake just with water in my greens. Um, and I'll do a packet of the, the berry hydrate and recover in there. And it's actually really, really good. So yeah. Huh. I, I yeah, like I, I'm going to have to try that. I like, the, I like putting it in coffee, but I haven't tried it in. A meal before. Yeah, you'll definitely um, have to give it a shot. The other thing that you just mentioned. Sorry. Uh, go ahead. No, you're good. Okay. The other thing that you just mentioned that I didn't touch on was some sort of protein powder. Um, I like bringing protein powders as well, especially for like, kind of, you know, that could be a snack in the middle of the day, um, on its own. And I think those are pretty, those are pretty light for how many calories you're getting out of it. And they also, you know, are fairly nutritious. I know, like you're saying, you have greens from um, Wilderness Athlete. I haven't tried those yet, but um, I do like their protein. Yeah. So I actually put a, a scoop of the paleo-ish uh, protein in our breakfast, our backcountry oatmeal. Um, with the powdered banana and stuff last year, which you can just take a protein powder, and I think that's fine. I wanted to add a little bit more protein into the the oats that we had. Um, so I did that with the MCTs, but for me, I don't mind having like just shaking up with water, like a protein drink. But when I'm like somewhere where I'm not going to be able to like really rinse out my cup very well, I have a hard time putting it into a cup that I'm going to reuse for something else. Um, that's just a personal preference. So I like to add it into a meal where then I just zip the baggie closed and I put it into my trash bag, but you can definitely do that either way. And I think it's nice, especially at the end of the day, and depending on what the rest of the profile of your food looks like to be able to have an option for a little added protein, especially for uh, muscle repair and recovery. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I know some folks are also adding it into their so off-grid in particular adds protein into their um, protein powder into their breakfast. Um, but that's kind of, that's what I like to do as well is add that protein powder to an oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly do that at home for breakfast sometimes too. Um, and it's, yeah, I think that's a solid way to go. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, talk to me a little bit about backcountry fuel and what that looks like. Because I yeah. know, you know, just listening to you speak on some of these other products, it's not just like the names of them. You're definitely considering what they are, the nutritional profile of them. So you have an experience. That's what I love about the backcountry fuel box, honestly, is that I have a hard time committing to things that I don't know or have tried. So getting a variety of things every month where I can try one or two of something and not necessarily buy a case or a box of them. Um, So talk to me a little bit about that, the evolution of it, and what you guys are doing with it. 
Yeah, you bet. So um, if folks are familiar with hunting podcasts, um, Cody Rich and his uh, Rich Outdoors podcast uh, are kind of where it was started originally. Um, Cody really wanted to, to try out some of these new products that were coming on the market. Um, and I was a pretty fervent listener, uh, to Cody's podcast. Um, and while I was, you know, enjoyed working with the people that, um, I was with at the time, um, I was kind of looking for something that was back in the outdoor industry and something that I really enjoyed. Um, so he announced, like, Hey, I'm, you know, doing this backcountry fuel project. Um, and that was, uh, winter of 2018. So a year and a half ago now. Um, and so basically it was like, all right, we want to do this so that we can also, you know, Cody and I can test out these different products that are on the market um, without committing to it for a backcountry trip or whatever. Um, so what's evolved since then is, you know, we kind of hit some low-hanging fruit there early on. Um, Off-grid, uh, we've got a great relationship with those guys, um, and they make some great meals as well as, like, peak refuel and stuff like that. But um, And you'll see those back in the backcountry fuel box, but the ethos behind it is for folks to try new things um, and kind of experiment with what works best for them. Um, so if it kind of fits in that mold of an energy bar and like the nutritional profile looks like something that uh, would be good for the backcountry, we'll put it in there. Um, there's some experimental stuff that I, I honestly, so if it looks a little bit interesting and maybe something that hasn't been used for the backcountry before, um, I'll have them send me something, and I'll test it out myself before we put it in there. Um, but I think, so like in July, we have some interesting uh, beef products that I haven't seen before. I don't think that people have used them for the backcountry yet, but uh, it's, it'll be great to try it out and see how it does. So, like, that really is is where, you know, Cody and I approach filling the box with stuff. Is like we want people to be testing out ways to – play with your nutrition and dial in the taste of things because as we all know, some of this stuff really doesn't taste good. Um, and you know, it's really nice to know both, uh, of stuff that, uh, fits the nutritional profile you need. And then is also enjoyable. Definitely. And I think, you know, the last place you really want to find out you can't stand something or you don't, you know, you don't enjoy it is when you're out there, after a long, hard day and your body needs to refuel and you're like, I can eat this, right? It's, it's the, the calories and the nutrition in it that's important, but you want to be able to enjoy your food as well. Um, and, uh, so no, I think that's really important and it's nice to have, I kind of like stockpile things, right? So I'll t- like try something, yeah. see if I like it and then I'll, you know, put it away and like, kind of just like get a little bit over time so that it's not just like one big bulk investment, um, so it's really nice to be able to try those things out and then take them out when you're like scouting, you know, and you can just try it here and there. You know, sometimes I'll even do it just like on a, you know, if I take my boys out on a hike or whatever, just for fun, just to play around and let them experience it too. So you can try those that way. But another feature I really like about what you guys are doing is that if you do get a box and say, you know, it's got an assortment of things in it and you find things that you really like that you want to be your, you know, adventure staples, if you will. Um, you guys offer a discount to those companies. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I have a whole stack of them sitting here uh, at my desk. And more often times than not, when I'm getting ready for a trip, I go back to this stack of like inserts that we've had that have discount codes. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to stack up on, on that. I want to stock up on that. And, um, it really helps save a couple bucks. Um, yeah. And so we love that part. That's a huge part of it. 
Um, and if and if someone didn't get anything else out of the of the box other than a month of discount codes, I think it'd be a great deal. Um, just because it saves quite a bit of money when you're spending ten, eleven, twelve, and uh, end up uh, dollars on a meal. Yeah. Absolutely, it does. And you guys offer this as like a membership that you can do monthly. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of annoying when, and this is coming from the guy who like works on the website. So it's kind of annoying when you're getting ready to check out that you have to go create an account. But the purpose of that is you have full access to the account and you can cancel or change your information at any time so that you don't feel like you're like stuck in some sort of subscription deal. I actually did like a so farm boy going to East, or from Eastern Oregon going to University of Oregon. I was like, oh, I need a subscription box to up my like outfits. Like when I was at college, and frick, uh, it took me three months to get uh, unsubscribed from that thing. And so I kind of have gone through that process, and I, I really hate it. And that's not what we're about. Um, the other thing is anybody can also get a hold of us at any time. And, uh, you know, whether it's me or Cody, we'll, we take care of folks pretty much just one-on-one. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate what you're doing and love the concept. Um, being able to try things out before you fully commit is a great option. So, Jaden, I really appreciate you taking the time to get on the show with me. There's at least 900 other things that we could talk about and dive into, but I think we will wrap this one up for today. If people want to get a hold of you, reach out, see more from Backcountry Fuel, where can they find you? So, uh, excuse me, our number one account that we are most active on is Instagram, at Backcountry Fuel. Um, if you DM that account with any questions you have, I will answer um, nine times out of ten. Sometimes Cody hops on if I'm out of service or something, but... Um, Hit us up on, on Backcountry Fuel's Instagram, um, and also our website and blog has a, a, a ton of great information. It's just backcountryfuelbox.com, um, and if you want the blog, it's forward slash learn. Um, and there there's some great articles about um, sodium intake, uh, carb load, or not carb load, carb to protein ratio, as well as um, some pack lists that we've done in the past. So. Go, go check that stuff out, um, and, and, you know, we really just try to help folks um, be a little bit more efficient in the backcountry and, and uh, happy to help you anytime. Sounds awesome. We'll definitely link to those resources in the show notes as well as list a couple other things in there. So make sure you pop over and check that out and connect with them. They are super knowledgeable and obviously very willing to help answer questions and make sure that your next trip is awesome. So thanks again, Jaden. I really appreciate it. And uh, we will be chatting with you after season to see how things go. (laughs) Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, any topics or ideas, and your feedback. You are so valuable to me, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.